Good evening, everyone. Hello, this is Jerry Lee, and I'm here standing in for the Manifester. Tonight should be an exciting night. Uh, we want to thank uh, Janet Lee for her wonderful playing uh, job on the organ. Uh, we want to thank all the help that we're getting to do these things. Uh, it is just a great plan of the future that we have uh, for where we are headed. And tonight, uh, Latolution versus Evolution. An interesting subject, and we will not be able to finish it tonight. We'll probably have to have one or two more sessions. But it will be worth it, because it is a colossus, a gigantic, incredible subject. And it's something that the Christian world needs to know, and the other part of the world needs to know. So, just taking from my notes to begin this whole summary of things, <clears throat> I have this article called Spin and Statistics in Arbitrary Dimensions. And someone would surely say, well, what does that have to do with latolution and evolution? Well, just hang and hold, and we'll see where this all goes. Uh, we're going to cross some rivers. We're going to cross some plains. We're going to cross some mountains. We're going to maybe fly a little bit. Uh, we might swim a little bit. Uh, it was going to be an interesting journey. Okay, in this spin and statistics uh, statement here, uh, it, it was done by a, um, uh, a top uh, physicist, and uh, uh, he was... Um, checking simple geometric uh, argument of uh, Sardazian to derive a spin statistics, a relationship for all SO3 uh, invariant quantum field theories. Now, don't swallow too hard on all of that. Whether uh, relativistic or not, uh, and I'll explain this to help you, we investigate the relationship in more than three spatial dimensions. We investigated the relationship in more than three spatial dimensions. The question is closely related to the properties of Clifford algebras and would thus depend on the number of space dimensions. Now, this might not mean very much to a lot of people, but when I read something like this, it deeply has meaning to me. Because when you think in terms of um, the most recent um, propositions that have been placed before us by uh, the scientific community, and especially uh, Dr. Green and um, uh, Stephen Hawkins, uh, Stephen Hawkins, um, it is very interesting um, uh, to make the point that... Uh, this thing of needing to have needing to have eleven dimensions to make this whole um, supposedly beautiful, masterful, harmonic uh, mathematical revelation work uh, is based on math, because certain kinds of math, in order to produce uh, these other dimensions. Uh, which are something pretty close to being virtual, uh, in order to produce them, they have to go into 
um, and increase the number of space dimensions. Without increasing the space dimensions, they can't get to the ultimate resolution. So some of these ideas that are, are developed uh, in string theory, um, which is, you know, the very popular thing, they've given other names, but let's just use that uh, name for now. And, and, um, and we understand uh, that what has uh, caused uh, this understanding and popularity and why the math is so beautiful is because the math is actually a, is actually a forced result um, um, by, by the demand of the uh, kind of algebra and math that is uh, necessary. Uh, and in the necessity of those demands, that is how these extra uh, dimensions can be re uh, produced. Uh, this is just one example. I'm not saying it covers all the examples, but it's an important one. And um, when we start thinking about something that has been uh, discovered based on um, using um, math, which is just propositional to begin with anyway, uh, and th that we begin to focus and think of the whole uh, resolution of life and death and the universe, uh, both past, present, and future, um, it's scary to think that that came about by uh, this um, uh, spin and statistics uh, which produce these various arbitrary dimensions. Now, saying that, let me just go on with, with all of the other aspects. Uh, it might seem most unlikely, this connection that I'm making, but statistics are important. Now, <clears throat> um, even if you read in the Bible sometimes certain things, uh, you can end up getting information that uh, is not correct because statistically there is numerical error. Um, for instance, um, in uh, Genesis, Noah was 500 years old when he begat Shem. And you can look in, uh, you know, Genesis 5, verse 32. And Noah was 600 years old when the flood waters came on the earth. Shem was 100 years old when he begat Arphaxad, two years after the flood. Okay, so um, this is obviously an error because if Shem uh, begat Arphaxad, two years after the flood, uh, he should have been 102 years old because um, uh, in the real reading of it, of the verse, he was 100 years old at the time that Noah was 600 years old. And then after the flood, uh, you know, if he waited two years before he had our facts add, he'd be 102 years old. Now, that takes me to the next little ramble here. This is an important one. According to the information supplied in Genesis chapter 5 through 9, Methuselah, who lived for an unbelievable, it's not unbelievable to me, but that's how they write it here, uh, 969 years, <clears throat> must have lived through the flood. Why do they say that? Why do they say he lived through the flood? A lot of people say, no, he died in the flood. But there is no mention of him on the ark. 
With the years supplied by the Bible, if Methuselah died at the onset of the flood, he would have lived, uh, he would have only lived to 968 years. Uh, that's taking all the math and all the genealogy. Uh, if he died in the flood, he would have, he would have uh, died at 968 years old. So if the Bible says he lived to 969 years old, then he was alive uh, a year after the flood and doing something here on earth. Possibly not on land, possibly not on water, but possibly in the air on Ziths. Interesting to me, very interesting beyond a question of a shadow of a doubt. When God began to show us some of the things that had been so mysterious to us uh, about the Soundtron circuits, the Soundtron being something that could be considered to be the smallest particle that existed in the atom, um, still not discovered by the scientists even to this day and time. Uh, when God began to show this uh, and the the power of how the, the Soundtrons could soundtrons could be strummed uh, to parallel motions and produce an atomic rhythm and by that atomic rhythm create circuits and that these circuits uh, were the kind of, of energy vehicles that uh, angels used to travel at incredible speeds. Uh, these things were so far out and they seemed to be uh, so beyond what anyone could uh, even imagine at the time. But in the course of time, uh, in the course of the revelation of these things, scripture by scripture, evidence of signs and, and wonders uh, upon evidence of signs and wonders, uh, these things began to come become more and more evident to us. Now, we were taught things about Lataplex alignments, and we were taught how that there are in the parallels of, of the universe, and these things apply both um, in the sense of uh, being, uh, you know, uh, celestial uh, or being uh, terrestrial, and that there were lataplex alignments that looked just as, as though it was the actual thing or was a replication and of exactly the actual thing, whatever you want to, uh, you know, uh, ascribe to being the actual thing. And how easy it was to become misaligned by a lataplex alignment because these lataplex alignments that would seem to be, even though they're not exactly in the location uh, as the original experience, they nevertheless uh, quantify with such um, similarities uh, that in their lataplex alignment, uh, people just accept them for being the same thing as this original uh, article uh, that they are interested in. But Lataplex alignments can be very, very deceiving and deceptive, and they can cause, um, you know, 
uh, delusion. And so uh, when we read things in science or read things even in scripture, we have to understand that without, uh, without the translations, without the interpretations, that uh, these things that we read uh, in science and in, um, you know, uh, the Bible um, can just be absolutely configured uh, wrongly in a person's mind. And um, uh, so then, you know, who do we trust? Do we trust a person with a lot of great, great, powerful science degrees? I think we certainly do take that into consideration. Uh, that's just not junk that uh, that you throw out in into the wash bowl. Uh, it certainly has consideration, but it is not the last word. It is not the final evidence because throughout the courses of history, some of the greatest minds that have ever lived and produced some of the greatest theories that, that uh, could even be imagined at the time have over many, many years of time uh, later proved to be incorrect. So we know that human failings are something that can happen and do happen. And it is much safer in my corner of the world where I think to trust in the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit to reveal things, uh, the Holy Spirit to reveal what the actual truth of, of it is. It seems that minds are bogged down by limits to believing. Uh, old ideas that have no faith for change, no desire for new ideas, are entrenched in the philosophy of, I will not be moved. It is such minds who own possessives uh, where virtuosity is not practiced of fine arts and skilled foresight, but rather hold concepts, concepts that fit only the perpendicular and the parallel planes that they are familiar with, and therefore they reject and deny anything that is of a different kind of concept. When things are mentioned about the unknown, even some things as reasonable uh, as the cone of a circle, their language and expressions are not accepted. So these are things that we have to throw into the mesh of our understanding as we are searching on this great journey for the truth and nothing but the truth, so help us God. Scientific concepts, they, they sometimes supply the how that something works, but not the why something works. Going back in self-exploration to one's inner embedded awareness, one finds parallel choices, two kinds of focuses, one to the spin downward, which is the animal focus, or two, to the spin upward, which is the spirit focus. The animal focus belongs to a descendant state. The spirit focus belongs to an ascendant state. So there has to be a place in a person's mind where you do not accept limitations 
where you do you do believe the words of Jesus Christ that with God all things are possible. You do believe that no matter how short an an, an atro second is, that it can still be stretched. You do believe that there are parallels, parallels of the Alpha and parallels to the Alpha of the Omega, and that within the the binary aspect of those two parallels, there are seas, seas of, of thought. That's S-E-A-S, seas of thought. And the mental split between the timing of the alpha, the beginning, and the omega, the ending, uh, does not force one into a negative reality if they are able to properly apply what is relative to those two different dimensions of time in their perspective of how they meet as a whole revelation of a continuity and of a continuum. The split separating the Alpha and the Omega can be a beautiful revelation because it can open up all kinds of apertures which have trackways and pathways to deep and beautiful and glorious things. We talk about things that go backwards. And we could possibly talk about the speed of something going backwards. And if we did that, we would need to realize if we were applying the subject to the animal sense or even the terrestrial sense, that there would be a differentiation between what was the speed of something going backwards to what was the speed of something that was relative to the spirit going backwards. The going backwards of the spirit would be perhaps for a ministry. And so even though both entity aspects or, or entity representative aspects were going backwards, they would not be going backwards in the same a relativeness of each other. Even though they seem to be parallel, they would still not be truly the same. The, the same understanding then with the Latiplex alignment. Something can look to be correct. Something can look to be relative. Something can look to be original. But in the actuality of it and the deep understanding of it, it is not. And that is so absolutely important to understand. I want to take a little bit of time, being that things are going forward uh, with such a excited time and the critical moment of bringing the Peace Manifest Bible uh, into that state uh, is going to be uh, such a shout. Uh, I would like to uh, take and read a little bit from um, from the Peace um, uh, Manifest Bible. 
uh, in the Genesis um, area. <clears throat> and I'm going to be looking here at um, Genesis 1, verse 2. And it reads like this. But the matter, having lost its form, was in runs. Now I should read the KJV perhaps first. And the earth was without form, and void, and darkness was upon the face of the deep, and the Spirit of God moved upon the face of the water. Now to the MIV, the Manifest Peace Bible. But the matter, having lost its form, was in ruins, its chaotic mass imprisoned in the compressions of deep voids. Therefore, manifest a manifold God spirited the chaotic energies to their original harmony by radiating over them. Uh, I do not have time to go through all of the credentials and insets for each of these different terms and how that they were um, put into the, this new language uh, for giving you uh, various kinds of verification. But just for instance, like the term um, that we have here, um, was lost, um, in, in, you know, uh, instead of the, and the earth was, without form, uh, was um, uh, having lost instead of was. Um, the um, Hebrew verb, um, the Hebrew verb uh, heta is not simply uh, the copula, but the actual verb denoting existence. And the Hebrew word heta should be interpreted became or existed or as inferred, having lost instead of was. So uh, we understand this because of uh, a very important uh, gra grammatical um, position of when something is followed by a preposition, uh, the tense can be used in a natural sense to mean a past tense grammatically. So the grammatical construction as uh, in that instance, uh, you know, having lost instead of was is literally correct. And we have a lot of these explanations of why these particular kind of changes uh, would and could be made. Uh, I would not begin to have the time over, uh, a, 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 you know, you broadcast teaching to get into that type of thing. It is, uh, you know, far too uh, beyond for that. But let's, let's just go through some of these other verses. Excuse me. Genesis 1 4. So it was. Manifold God visualized the aura and accounting it to be separated the aura from the darkness. Now let's look at the KJV. And God saw the light that it was good. And God divided the light from the darkness. Now in the MIV, we do not use the term that is used quite, a, quite often in the uh, book of Genesis, and God saw that it was good, or God said that it was good, uh, because uh, that actually is not um, is is not uh, not correct uh, in the sense of of a true uh, interpretation. Uh, quite often, the term um, was used um, "accounted to be," uh, or "it was so." And uh, this account it to be or it was so is really the inference 
that was meant to be interpreted uh, instead of, and God saw that it was good. Uh, so we write, so it was, manifold God visualized aura, and accounting it to be, separated the aura from the darkness. That is a really super big revelation, and we have lots and lots of interesting um, backup uh, to show how that, that uh, all, all works. Um, so then um, uh, Genesis 1-5, subsequently manifold God, titled the aura, the dawning, and darkness, un, titled convolution. Thus, this period of dawning, or dawn, and the period of convolution became the first generation day. Uh, that's just incredible stuff. Um, how it is relative to what our subject is, is really, really ev evident, because when we talk about... Um, uh, that the darkness is is um, uh, interpreted as the term convolution, uh, which uh, actually uh, ties in beautifully uh, to the original uh, Hebrew scripture, and um, and even uh, to to a Greek when the um, uh, you know the uh, Hebrew was translated into Greek. Uh, and to mean a twisting away uh, as the darkness of night turning, twisting, or convoluting away from the light. So that you have on the one side uh, the parallel of light, the dawning. On the other side, you have the parallel of darkness. Uh, but the darkness is always in convolution because it is always twisting away from the light because darkness and light are a contra to each other. Uh, whenever you walk into your home and it's all dark, if you hit the switch and you turn on the light, darkness goes. They do not occupy the same uh, a character of place. And and so, uh, you know, darkness is always twisting away, uh, turning away. And, and that there is so much um, uh, spiritual vitamin of understanding in that because it help us to, helps us to understand this whole thing about latolution uh, versus convolution, or pardon me, versus um, evolution uh, when we actually, you know, get into the meat of this. Uh, Genesis 1-6, then manifold God uh, directed there to be dimensions in the midst of the streams of energy to separate and differentiate them. KJV, and God said, let there be a firmament in the midst of the waters. Let it divide the waters from the waters. Let's do the um, Peace Manifest Bible MIV again. Then manifold God directed there to be dimensions in the midst of the streams of energy to separate and differentiate them. Uh, one seven. therefore manifold God stretched out the deep into dimensions so that spiritual energies were separated from physical energies, and it was accounted to be. You see, the first glowings, the first uh, uh, relational meaning uh, of the Bible, which is the, of the deepest, most important order, is really about what the spirit is involved in, what the soulship uh, of a person's spirit is involved in. It is, number one, the most important meaning and, and uh, uh, revelation transition uh, that needs to be known because um, it, it has 
uh, e eternal consequences, not just temporal consequences. Okay, a few more here. Genesis 1.8, Then Manifold, God titled the physical dimensions atmosphere and another in, uh, environmented, uh, and other environmental spheres above the atmosphere as metaphors of spiritual dimensions called heavenly places. Therefore, this period of dawn and period of convolution became the second generation age. Uh, let's skip down to Genesis 1.9. Thereafter, manifold God directed uh, physical streams of energy to materialize, to dry solidifications, and it was accounted to be. Wow. Uh, so absolutely exciting, so important, so very important. Um, in Hebrews uh, of the New Testament, Hebrews um, uh, as the, the book of Hebrews, uh, chapter 1, verse 2, it is written, uh, speaking of God hath in these last days spoken to us by his Son, whom he appointed heir of all things, by whom also he made the worlds. Not world, but worlds. Um this um, has spoken to us in these last days uh, is um, synchronized uh, with with the teaching, uh, for instance, in Revelation, uh, where it is talking about the seventh trumpet, the last trumpet to sound. It is the, the day of inversion. Uh, it is the day when the things that uh, are, are of the parallel order that belong to the uh, convolution are turned around and are brought into the light of day and all the things that are just remain just and all the things that are to disappear and vanish disappear and vanish and so this last uh, trumpet revelation this day of inversion is <clears throat> said by Paul God, through Christ, has spoken that revelation to us. Uh, he's spoken that revelation because he wants us to understand these things uh, as they have revelation, not just to uh, the earth uh, relationship that we have to survive, uh, not just to the time upon earth in which we are living and, and uh, expect it uh, to... Um, fulfill our life, but to the time sequences that reach far beyond that, that stretch out into countless generations ahead of us, and and to understanding the prospectus of, of truth, how that, that the line of continuum uh, in these truths is connected to the Alpha and the Omega, so that that which is Alpha truth is connected to the omega truth, and those are two parallels that that are literal parallels, and and they are not uh, just some kind of lattiplex alignment. Uh, they're not a lattiplex alignment that looks like the real thing, but are not, because we have so much of that out there right now. Uh, and I'm sorry to say, but in the religious world, things that look like they're the right thing, but they are not. Even in the Old Testament, we had people who were under the command of, of very powerful uh, believers in God, uh, but when they went out to do things, uh, they were doing the right thing the wrong way. Uh, 
when doing the right the right thing the wrong way, they ended up in judgment because that was not the plan. And so it is, it is so important uh, to follow through on this and and to understand uh, <clears throat> how it's supposed to be. Uh, Genesis 1.11, After this, manifold God directed that there should be imaged in the earth realms, um, uh, the seed of herb grass, and the seed of fruit trees, each capable of production and able to reproduce according uh, to its types as imaged and internally designated, and it was accounted to be. Now, this is a very important connector uh, verse uh, because we see that uh, not only is there a, a, pro, uh, a, a um, prescription uh, that is a, a designated um, uh, creation, of things that are a certain way, but that that um, uh, proscribed within that fixed revelation or that fixed entity or that fixed subject, uh, there is there is also already embedded uh, the very aspects within the DNA of what is to be uh, what is to happen afterwards. How that new life is to be furthered, how that new changes are to be conducted and condoned and, and, and made capable of happening. And here we see that by the scripture in Genesis 1.11, and we see that uh, in in uh, this MIV, how that these things that were imaged, uh, not only were imaged in the sense that grass was to be grass, and that a tree was to be a tree, uh, and that a seed was a seed, but that within the context, within the actual understanding of what those uh, literal um, uh, pieces of creation were, um, uh, that they were also involved uh, in in this revelation uh, of uh, having within them this capability of reproduction. <clears throat> according to um, to its types that had internally been imaged and designated before there was even the thought that there would be uh, a, a, a production that would that would come afterwards from from these um, uh, various kinds of uh, vegetarian and and uh, uh, trees and grass uh, entities. Okay, we're getting close to being finished with, with what I want to show here out of uh, <clears throat> out of the Peace Bible, but I have one more scripture, uh, Genesis one thirty one. And God saw everything that He had made, and behold, it was very good. And the evening and the morning were the sixth day. This is the MIV interpretation. And manifold God observed the latolution of everything that Un had brought forth, and it was accounted to be. Therefore, this period of dawn and the period of convolution became the sixth generation age. Now, these ages, these generation ages, are a combination of, of a special kind of space. So that we have in the Garden of Eden 
the tree of life. But we also have in the Garden of Eden the tree of good and evil knowledge. So both of those uh, incredibly powerful um, subject influence entities which have within them characteristics of opposites they are yet in this in this shared space and so they become two different parallels in that space and manifold God observed the latolution of everything that Un had brought forth and it was accounted to be God, God didn't give, you know, say this, oh, this is just wonderful what I've done here. It's really, really good. Um, uh, I know a lot of people have that in their mind, and that's caused an awful lot of confusion. Um, but uh, it, it, uh, it should not uh, uh, be thought of that way because um, uh, it, is, it just gives an incorrect understanding of the plan uh, for creation. An incorrect understanding for the plan of of uh, of the creation going forward. So these are things we really, really, really need to understand. Okay, now let me move on. We're making good progress. Uh, let's start in. Um, I want to read. We're going to get this latolution thing going a little more. Turn with me to your Bible to the book of Job. Turn to, with me to Job 26, verse 5. A very interesting scripture that I would like to read. Job 26, verse 5. Here is what it says. I'll read it just in the King James Version. Dead things are formed from under the waters and the inhabitants thereof. Now, the New American Standard Bible, I don't know where in the world they come up with this, but they say, um, departed spirits tremble under the waters. That's how they translate that verse. Dead things are formed from under the waters. They've got departed spirits tremble under the waters. Um, I found that quite amusing. Uh, dead things are formed. That is quite the revelation. Something that dead is formed under the waters and the inhabitants thereof. This is a remarkable revelation of latolution. And I want to read that scripture. I want to, to uh, put that as a data point in your brains. And then we, Lord Swelling, uh, whether we get to do it this time around or the next time or two, uh, we will, we will, Lord willing, come back to this because it is a powerful latolution scripture to show how that, that there is a God input plan into all creation. And God has put this plan into creation. And remember, this is the same, uh, chapter, um, uh, in, um, uh, Job in which, um, uh, he, he says some really incredible things, you know. He gives the revelation in verse 13. By his spirit he hath garnished the heavens. His hand hath formed the crooked serpent. 
uh, we're we're seeing this account it to be. We're seeing the, in in the garden uh, the tree of life, but we're also seeing the tree of good and evil. Uh, we're seeing uh, in this revelation um, of verse twelve, he divideth the sea with his power. Uh, we're understanding uh, this division of things. Uh, on one side is one aspect, one revelation. On the other side is another aspect, another revelation. Sometimes those are things. Sometimes those are people. Verse 7, He stretched out the north over the empty place and hangeth the earth upon nothing. Here we have this revelation of gravity, the earth hanging on nothing, the power of gravity. Uh, that's all in this powerful chapter where we have verse 5, Dead things are formed from beneath the waters. Substance, like dust and material, atoms and molecules, uh, are made to be able to come forth into life. And, and that goes right along with chapter 1 of Genesis, in which it basically tells us that life came forward, forth out of the waters, so this, the scriptures are very much keenly tied together. Okay, now let's uh, let's go on a little bit. Let's let's we got this word of uh, you know uh, lat so we should really be talking about it. Um, lat a term taken in part from the word lattice, as in atomic lattice used to describe the images, the disposition, the makeup of a person, and of things, and of energies, and taken in part, taken in part from the Greek word uh, lutron, meaning to set free, thus the setting free by the emerging of God's imprinted or latticed and imaged plan into nature. Now you notice that we use that term in the MIV Genesis. And the MIV Genesis was speaking of uh, the imaging of things. And so that is a very close word uh, to our use of the word uh, lattice. Uh, not precisely exactly um, the same, but very uh, uh, similar in, in some of its meanings. <clears throat> okay. Uh, Thus, latolution is the development and the process of framing the very patterns of creation as an emergence that occurs in creation, being uh, a result of the soundtron effect. Therefore, latolution comes in electrovibmatic syntone spontaneous events. A term from the word lattice, as in atomic lattice, or in, as in disposition and makeup of a person, uh, meaning to set free, thus the setting free by the emerging of God's imprinted, latticed or imprinted plan into nature. <clears throat> that illusion then being a development and process that takes place in creation, an emergence, an emergence that occurs in creation as a result of the sound tron. Now, we're really big and heavy on the use of emerging rather than, um, you know, uh, evolving. That doesn't mean that we may not use evolving uh, occasionally, but we're more into the use of emerging instead of evolving because 
evolving um, um, uh, is so tied into uh, to uh, evolution. Okay, we go on here. Um, uh, although evolution is prevalent in the making and the ongoing of creation, not only the, the creation, uh, not only the, the making, but the ongoing of creation, we should not say that no evolving occurs. For while from the soundtron emerges the plan, which is latolution, from the latolutions proceed evolvings. And this is so important. If you're going to remember anything uh, here tonight, you need to remember this. Because uh, I want to really talk heart to heart to you about, um, you know, the... the um, ideas that some of the Christian scientists, so to speak, have had, and and uh, uh, their special revelation about, uh, you know, uh, the Christian design and and the Christian image and so forth of, of creation. Uh, we'll get into that. Um, but here we're saying, latolution is prevalent in the making and the ongoing of creation. We should not say that no evolving occurs for while from the soundtron emerges the plan which is which is latolution from latolution proceeds evolvings this is especially true in the sense of adaptation and mental expansion god has set universal laws into the orders of all latolution in that sense god has something to do with all that occurs in the universe However, because God has granted free agency to creation, all creation, and especially intelligent creations, most often affect their own destiny. In that sense, the MIV, the Peace Manifest Bible, uh, states, Surely they have written violence to themselves. Latolution is a term, then, that is taken from the word lattice, as atomic lattice, as I earlier said, or in disposition and makeup of a person, like um, a person has a certain lattice. Uh, a per we might say they have a certain characteristic. That would be a lattice. Uh, they might have, say they have a certain temperament. That would be a lattice. Uh, they have a certain style of... Um, uh, of habituality that could be a lattice, a lattice also so these things that uh, are sort of embedded into people as uh, how that they um, they act how that they respond uh, to actions and many other things in which uh, they do uh, those things uh, are are the kind of lattice that they have is their a print design, their image design. Okay. Okay, the soundtron. The term soundtron combines two words, one from the English and one from the Greek, uh, from the word sound. Uh, from the Old Testament comes from the word uh, line, quav, and tron from the Greek, uh, meaning measure, metron. The term Measure has many synonyms, a few being design, pattern, plans, blueprint, layout, extent, capacity, 
division, magnitude, portion. Uh, what else can we think of? Uh, part, quota. Um, there's all kinds of words I'm sure we can come up with. Um, I should just write down a list. But uh, anyway, um, it is it has been so interesting as we look at all of this and we put all these things uh, into uh, these characteristics. Now, we've really not gotten into into latolution yet, but before we do, uh, I want to touch on evolution, and uh, I want to uh, uh, to talk about that a little bit. Um, can evolution explain our origin? Um, there are people in the Christian world that emphatically say that evolution cannot do that. Uh, are evolutionists atheistic? There are people in the religious world who will very pronouncedly say that anybody believing in evolution is atheistic. Well, I want to tell you that both of those ideas that religious people have is incorrect. They are just plain not fact and plain not true. And I want to say that the Christian world and religious world, but especially the Christian world, has made an incredibly terrible mistake and error in how they have handled this whole revelation on evolution. Because, you know, they always have this extreme sensitivity of being so radical as to any deviation to the recognition of what they believe, how they believe, and why they believe. And when someone comes up with a revelation like this, like uh, evolution, and and how that certain life may have progressed certain ways, um, they just immediately are going to brand it the works of the devil. And they have done that with television, with the chocolate. Uh, I could just make a list of of many of uh, of the things that people use today. Any kind of cosmetics that women used to that women use today. It was one time uh, branded as the workshop uh, uh, creations of the devil. Um, it is just amazing the things that so-called uh, the so-called uh, Christian kingdom has come up with in the naming and blaspheming of 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 uh, these things that later uh, they begin to be very involved in them. And didn't seem to think that it had anything to do with challenging their Christianity. And it's just so sad that the Christian world did not take advantage of this evolution thing. And instead of knocking it and, and absolutely making a devil thing out of it, uh, they could have recognized it at least to, to an extent. And they could have recognized it and said, well, you know, my God uh, can do anything. And in the animal kingdom... Uh, uh, there are, you know, this evolving that takes place. Uh, I'm sure it was all part of the plan uh, that God had, and he install, instilled those plans uh, into creation. And so in, there are no doubt parts of, uh, of evolution 
that, uh, you know, it's just really a revelation of the wondrous creational powers of God. And if they had gone that way, uh, they, they wouldn't have made themselves look uh, stupid and ignorant, which a lot of the, you know, the so-called, uh, uh, you know, Christian scientists have actually done to themselves uh, because they have not been able to defend their positions, although they, they think that they have, but they haven't. And it's because their positions, in not every case, but in many of the cases, is just absolutely incorrect. It is absolutely incorrect. Now, you may not like what I'm saying. Uh, that doesn't have anything to do with me preaching this word. I'll be preaching this till kingdom comes if God tells me to. And and I'm sorry if uh, this would, uh, you know, seem like uh, a pressure stepping on your uh, toe. Uh, my intention is not to hurt anyone, but I would sincerely uh, invite you to be careful to listen to this whole presentation because uh, you might very well uh, see the light of day before this message is finished because it is prevalent and it is important and it is a godsend. And it is a message uh, that is a message of the hour. Now, let me go on here uh, with this thing about uh, evolution. Um, am I a big, big person into evolution? Uh, no, not really. I never have been. Um, I, do I find any faults with uh, some of the teachings of evolution uh, scientifically um, and um uh, in relationship to uh, religiously? Well, of course I do, uh, both mathematically uh, uh, and also um, uh, biologically. Uh, I find different things that I do not agree with. And uh, uh, also um, uh, there are things that uh, spiritually I do not agree with. Uh, but I still do not damn evolution or say that everything about evolution is is wrong or incorrect. Uh, and I hope to pray that some of your eyes will be open here uh, tonight uh, before this is all over, said and done. Now, here I have a written explanation of, uh, of the evolution uh, theory, what it is supposed to really be. Uh, once upon a time, there was no life. By chance, there came to be a simple organism capable of replicating themselves. Now someone would say, oh my God, that's devil word right there. I rebuke that devil word. I don't believe in this thing about chance. Well, then you just don't believe in the Bible. You absolutely don't even believe the Bible. You are against the word of God and God have mercy on your soul because the Bible teaches that a time and a chance is something that God has promised to every living human being. And so this thing about chance is Bible, absolutely Bible. So who do you have not been, the, to, who do you, why do you think you know what you know when you are not a scholar, when you are not most likely a mathematician, a scientist, when you are likely uh, just not where you ought to be in your thinking because you have been, uh, you've allowed yourself to become influenced with all these things that people out there that don't know what they're talking about have been grinding away behind pulpits saying. It is now time to get things straight. It is now time to get things lined up for the truth to be the truth. So help us God. There's nothing wrong with the word chance. If you don't think that that, that thing word chance con configures in this world today, 
you know uh you just don't know life then because there's 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 things. some of you people you you really are hypocritical you know you'll go out and faithfully uh uh you know uh, buy into the lottery which is strictly by chance but then if somebody mentions a word like that and connects it to to evolution you'll damn them into hell for it because you don't believe in this thing about chance and yet you you're willing to take the chance with your money that when you spend it you might have a chance to win the lottery that's hypocritical get your shoes on straight get your tie put on right make sure your blouse is properly covering your neck praise God hallelujah you love me still I still love you come on let's go let's keep going all right once upon a time there was no life by chance there came to be simple organisms capable of replicating themselves. Random mutations introduced variety into the population of these org organisms, with the result that some of them were better able to survive and replicate themselves than others. A scarcity of the resources uh, uh, necessary for these uh, organisms to survive and uh, therefore caused a, a reproduction to be introduced as competition between them. Those least fit for competition were unable to secure the resources that they needed and so died without reproducing. Those best able to compete multiplied with random mutations against introducing further variety. As this process was repeated, the uh, organisms developed on an upward curve each round of, mutation, of mutations uh, introducing better organisms each round of competition killed off the weaker organisms uh, we are the result of the repetition of this process over millions of years now do I believe every single solitary period in there not every single solitary period but but there's a certain aspect of the survival of the fittest that is plain true Unless there's an intervention by God, it is just the way things happen an awful lot of the time. And you don't have to believe that if you want to go on being ignorant. But you better believe it if you want to survive. Because you need to know that there is chance walking the streets out there. That there is, according to every person, the fact that there are challenges to a one, every person's survivability in almost every link of thought that you can imagine, whether it is Bible uh, understanding, whether it is it is your job criteria, whether whether it is your uh, family criteria, uh, whether it is uh, your mode of of uh, projecting and hoping your of your future. Uh, believe me. Uh, there is out there competition and there is survival of the fittest going on all the time does it mean every time that just because there's someone out there more fit than you that you cannot still make it doesn't mean that at all people, there's people out there maybe more fit in one uh, aspect but not more fit in another someone that may have all kinds of uh, physical strength but not as much mental strength Someone that may um, uh, have a lot of um, of source, 
but doesn't have a lot of stamina and determination. Uh, so, so, and then add to that survival link a person who has faith and believes in God. Now you can change things around. You can turn the world around with all that kind of understanding. So uh, it, it, is, it is absolutely important uh, to know those things and believe that. Okay. Now let's go on. All right. Uh, what about random mutations? And and I already asked you the question, are all evolutionists uh, atheists? Uh, no, they are not. Uh, the explanation um, um, gap uh, is closed. Uh, some scientists and some um, evolutionists are saying. They are saying, uh, you know, we're not in that world of needing to ask explanations anymore. Uh, we have discovered... Uh, that God really didn't have anything to do with the making of, of the universe, uh, that it uh, is capable uh, uh, to just uh, uh, create and uh, s uh, suddenly combust on its own and evolve on its own. Do I agree with that? <laughs> uh, not in the, the ultimate sense, I don't, uh, but in the possibility sense, to a certain extent, I can say that it is a fact but not in the sense um, as it is relative to uh, creation developing to have souls. Uh, we'll get to that if you hang on, hold tight, and don't uh, you know, let your horses run away. Um, yes, uh, the explanation gap is closed, they say. No, it is not. The explanation gap hasn't even begun to be opened yet. Uh, because we've had nobody out there to really uh, to speak of that really has had that much to be able to say that's worthwhile listening to because they don't know the answers. They don't have the correct uh, uh, riddle uh, um, solving um, uh, link. Okay, now um, uh, opposition uh, to this kind of uh, evolution thought says, um, you know, um, there is an irreductible complexity that exists in creation. And that irreductible complexity uh, is impossible to happen at random. That has to happen uh, from an organized uh, uh, progression. Uh, <clears throat> they have their point, and there's some parts of that that is correct. But there's other parts of that that are not correct. And... and uh, uh, I'm not going to get into that particular subject here tonight because I've got too many important things. But possibly if we go on to a second and a third um, continuance of this subject, I'll be able to cover a whole bunch of, uh, of questions on all those things. The confusion of mixing life creations configured by evolution. Um, what do I, I mean by that? Well, I've seen this happen on both sides. I've seen the people that were evolutionists using examples to configure and to prove their evolution by mixing the idea of examples with machines and, and human-made uh, in, in inventions. I've seen um, Christians, especially the Christian scientists, also use those same kind of arguments 
taking machines and human-made things to make a point to prove that that evolution cannot be real. And I don't accept the mixing of these two. Uh, these are on two exactly different levels. They are not compatible. You can't take something that is the product of a living entity that is affected by latolution, or even if you want to say evolution, and that that state of it being affected has something to do to mentalize them with their ability to create, whether it be a computer or a mousetrap. And then try to transfer that um, creation of a mousetrap or a computer uh, to something that evolved. And say, okay, I wonder if I smash up this computer throw it up in the air and let it come down and that happens million, trillions, trillions, millions, trillions of times. Will it ever come back by accident into a computer again? No, it will not. But that does not at all prove that there is no evolution or not at all prove that there is latolution because you are dealing, you are crossing the circuits. You're taking uh, items that are not living uh, entities and mixing them with creations that are the something uh, as a resultant of living creations. And that is just not scientific, not spiritual, not relevant, and not even logical. <clears throat> is evolution inherently anti-religious? Absolutely not. There are people, and I have met them, who in the diversity of their faith have no problem accepting many of the points of evolution. And I'm definitely one of those. But people have been so poisoned with that that they have created a division, like this recent division uh, that went to a court, that went to court between a school uh, that was uh, heavily into wanting to teach some of the creationist ideas or have them available, and they challenged it before the court, and um, and so it was evolution versus uh, the latest uh, you know uh, Christian science concepts, and they lost, they lost, the Christian people lost, and that didn't surprise me because they didn't have the evidence to to back it up what they were saying. They thought they did, but they didn't. Okay, let's keep going. Now, you know, there are things. You know, there are things. Like, I think that is interesting. Um, you know, people say, well, does evol evolution mean that uh, there's going to be a constant upgrading or downgrading of the entity, whether it's an animal or a human? Uh, I don't think that's what it means, but I think there are some evolutionists that do think that. But there's a lot of division between, uh, between evolutionists. Different ones think differently. So, example, uh, there is this little tadpole shrimp that they rarely ever have been able to find any fossils of. But they, they've found uh, some 300 specimens 
And um, according to uh, certain time uh, genealogies and, and uh, you know, uh, configuring of, of uh, archaeologists and so forth, um, they have taken uh, these fossil imprints back, uh, you know, uh, 250 million years ago. That these particular type of um, of tadpole shrimp lived 250 million years ago. That was even before the dinosaurs uh, supposedly lived. And the recent um, um, prints of the living uh, tadpole shrimp that are now living uh, is just almost a hundred percent duplicate of the print of those that were supposedly alive 250 million years ago. So it would appear just by that image that there has been absolutely no change, that the tadpole shrimp has survived for over 250 million years. It's the same as it was 250 million years ago. It's the same as it is now. That evolution isn't just the absolute given, that there is a perpetual continuum uh, of, of something happening, uh, you know, by uh, mutations that force uh, changes either to the good and betterment or to the worse. Uh, those kind of ideas that, that some of the evolutionists have tr been trying to choke down our throats and make it biological proof, uh, they can go eat that and, and swallow it whole if they want to, because in my book, it's absolutely, uh, not correct and I don't buy it. Uh, it's very, very interesting that there is, there has been a recent breakthrough. Some of the evolution, evolutionists are claiming it to their side, but absolutely is not. And, and what it is, um, is, um, there has been discovered, uh, you know, um, a special kind of, uh, protein, um, a, a, of biological structures that exist in creation, uh, you know, various kinds of animals and, and, uh, possibly human beings that still being checked, but probably so. And what they say is that these, these, uh, protein, um, uh, biological energies, uh, have the capability as, as structures to steer the process of evolution toward improved fitness. <clears throat> In other words, that if the body by randomness was getting ready to fall into a slump and go into a negative sense and downgrade, there is an, another order within them. Now, I wouldn't call that, I would not call that evolution. I would call that latolution. And that's because they don't understand the difference between evolution and latolution, but that there is mentalized and there is signaled and coded within the body uh, certain things through latolution that is a law above and beyond evolution. And, and to me, this discovery, which is a fairly recent discovery, uh, which has to do with self-correcting behavior, uh, could only be possible, uh, you know, uh, by something that was put into their bodies, uh, at birth. 
and that has lived in their bodies and was always there as a potentiation uh, should that um, uh, protein uh, energy ever be called on as a self-correcting behavior uh, for their body to have a, an a, a approved or a controlled um, a resultant uh, to to uh, keep them from uh, spinning off in a wrong direction. I find that a real proof of latolution, and I think that is an incredible uh, discovery. And I do not think that that gives any tilt to con to uh, evolution, but it definitely gives a tilt to latolution. And um, uh, now latolution, um, you know, um, there there are other things that we we can say about latolution and and um, ev and evolution. Uh, what about evolution and consciousness? There is absolutely nothing, nothing in evolution. Uh, only things that have been stretched way out of proportion that even have any hope or even have any indication of being able to develop consciousness. Consciousness is something uh, uh, a step above uh, regular physiology. Uh, it is a step uh, that gets closer to the spirit connection. So the evolution uh, concept forces the resolve that though being the product of evolution in the brain are nevertheless therefore not unique or personal of nature but are gradual states of arrival possible for the human being. Now let me see if I can put this in a little better wording. Um, in other words, evolution forces the concept that everything is the product of evolution. And uh, and it even uh, lays that charge to the brain. But even though it lays that charge to the brain, uh, there is a uniqueness in the personal aspects of nature individually uh, that show that they are not, have been arrived at, not always from a gradual state of arrival, but have happened suddenly, uh, sort of like in that description in Acts, and there came a sound of a mighty rushing wind, you know, and and it was sudden. Something happened suddenly. It changed the whole world, that event. And so <clears throat> consciousness is absolutely something where you have to have the revelation you have to have the revelation of latolution because you are not going to find a a uh, revelation uh, or a tool that can hone out uh, the true story of consciousness in evolution. Okay, <clears throat> that I think was an absolutely important uh, point uh, to make. Now. Uh, Lanolution says that everything that comes forth in creation emerges into creation and there are things that can affect that Lanolution. Now, Lanolution, in the revelation of Lanolution, admits that there is nothing in Lanolution which is a potential 
uh, um, character effect and and uh, and a potential um, giver of essentials. There is nothing that is unchangeable. There are factors that can happen that can intercept or change uh, the intent of Latolution. And uh, we mustn't make it more profound than it is, even though it is the result of the Word of God. God does not force His will upon the creation. So Lanolution says that everything that comes forth in creation emerges into creation, and there are things that can affect that Lanolution. Time, angelic interference, other types of interference, uh, not necessarily be an evil uh you know it, it could be impedition uh but meaning uh affecting the lanolution uh so that uh tells that tells us that uh a little something about lanolution we can bring it forth we can want to talk about some very interesting things along that line but we have to always understand you know what is the difference between satanic intervention and impedition. What is the difference between um, things like time uh, that could affect a person's choices of something that uh, had a potentiation for a person to have, but because of circumstances, uh, they were not able to gain it? Those are very, very important things. <clears throat> now, let me... Let me take a little um, deviation here just to see if we can keep things being interested, um, interesting, because, uh, you know, I, I don't want to just be sounding really uh, um, over-technical, uh, but that's needed too sometimes. Um, mortals have a consciousness, which is the high spark of emerging awareness. Uh, it matters not how vast and busy the universe is, only things or entities with consciousness have spirit value. The rest of everything is a prop, a passing tone without merit. Materialism leads to hypotheses that can never be tested. Now, where is that taking us to? That is taking us to, you know, uh, what I call abstract net lattice resonance. But I don't want to get into that just right this minute. We will. Just hang on. But let's talk about if man goes out into space, if man as in humankind, as in mortals, what might they find? Uh, other than um, the uh, offspring of um, Enoch, which are humans, because they came from this planet. Other than those particular persons, what about being able to go further out in the space and run into other kinds of life out there in space? Um, well, we find um, uh, critters that look like humans. Oh, I think that's very possible. I think that, um, you know, given um, a planet that has the same kind of elements, is approximately the same distance from the sun, same uh, gravity, um, has some of the same uh, 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 
things that need oxygen and water, uh, that there could be, uh, you know, races developed that look very human. There don't be differences, but, you know, they could look very human. And they could get very intelligent. But let me tell you something that those people in most cases will not have. What they will not have that you and I have is they will not have souls. They will be like the creatures, the homo habilis man, um, all these other kind of creatures that lived before Adam. They will be like those rivers that the Bible tells us about, the Gihon, the Hedekel, that were pre-Adamic men. They did not have souls. Some of those were, you know, very human-looking and acting. But they did not have souls. And you can go out into the universe and you could very likely find planets if you go far enough or wherever uh, that that have uh, creatures that, that look like humans and things similar. But they will not be the same as us because we are uh, entities who once were Ophanim angels who fell and we all have souls. We still have them. We've not lost our souls. And and we, we came here to do a creation. And that creation uh, was of the nature that <clears throat> it was to uh, create new entities that could eventually uh, progress to the place of of a conscious awareness of God and eventually uh, gain the merit of of begetting souls and uh, and that never happened so until the trillion ophanims who failed and and lost their ophanim status have a chance through the time time and a half times to finish this journey of Abraham's bosom so that they have the opportunity to finish that, and all of them have had an uh, opportunity uh, to have a time and a chance. Um, there will not be any new creations that we will not. The Ophanims will not get to finish their job, uh, which was to be able to plant people on this earth that could have a chance to gain a soul. So that will not happen. Someone says, "Well, you know, a trillion people. I mean, that's that's not going to last forever." Uh, you know, uh, look how many people there are on the planet now and how many people have been living. Yeah, well, don't, don't get yourself too math perfected because don't forget there is regeneration in there. And regeneration has configurations. And don't forget this too. Now, I don't often get into this. But there are some people who have, were fallen angels who have lived. And because of certain things, how they lived and <clears throat> what they did, their generations of life were not even counted. <clears throat> so it was not ascribed to their benefit, and it wasn't ascribed against them. They were just counted as if they had never lived that life or existed. They were not part of the genealogy. They were taken out of it. That's Bible. Add those facts together with all the facts of those that are to be regenerated, which can be up to seven or eight times if necessary, and then that trillion becomes a much, much, much larger number. A potentially a much, much larger number. Now, our names are written down in the Lamb's Book of Life. 
but the new creations that we will be bringing on board that will be human beings and they will be picking up from the bodies that we have, but those new bodies will not have souls. They will not have their name written in the book of life, and the Bible says that their names are not written in the book of life. They'll be living on the planet. Wow. Those things are so absolutely important to understand. They're so absolutely important uh, to ha have down, you know. <clears throat> there, uh, there is so much that we need to understand as we begin to get in to the staircase of Lanolution. And we understand that we are not going the way of blind evolution, but that we do represent or we do accept some um, uh, variations by evolution. Certain selective things that happen by evolution. The fact that there are sometimes created certain uh, symbiosis and even to an extent certain kinds of controlled evolution. But we are not going the demented way and moving in the, to the constraints that work against the overcoming person that keeps him back from advancing to higher magnitudes. But what we are moving into is being a part of that part which is a part that will be framing and writing new charters. Charters that describe the upward spiral. Charters that move us beyond some of these ideas in storytelling adventure that made image points. The Darth, Darth Vader's that verse the Obi-Wan Kenobi. There's a story there in symbolism and movie making. These stories are going to be like myths. They're, they go over and over again. They're repeated. They're, they're living in the thoughts of people. They're put out in color books. They're put out in storybooks. They're put out in poems and in mythological aspects. Because from a deep, deep, real actuality, uh, these things have the ability and the power of a message that one day will be unfolded. And we know in that demented way of some of the blind evolution concepts that people have even moved into eugenics whether where they have uh, in the past sterilized hundreds and thousands of people based on the survival of the fittest concepts of evolution and deemed these people unfit persons to have children. And they sterilized them against their own wills. This is a known fact that happened in the United States and other countries. They were considered defective persons. That's what can happen when people get too deep into something and they believe that it is of God when 
it's not a revelation that came from God. That doesn't mean that everything about it could not have some application. So then, back to our staircase to Latolution. What about acts of nature and acts of God in nature? In the ID or intelligent design concepts, some of those people are really against anything being called acts of nature because they feel that is very uh, much along the lines of evolution. But what about acts of nature where there are acts of God in nature, like the Soundtron, like codes of, that are induced and, and fused uh, into the atoms that have to do with messages of Lanolution. And those messages are preeminent over evolution. The creation of Lanolution. What would happen with this since it's all over the universe? Can there be spontaneous um, creation? Absolutely. I believe that the message of God into creation is so sensational, so powerful, that even if there were no angels there to guide, if there was no forces of God, no messengers, that creation would not be able to hold back itself from suddenly, spontaneously, under the right circumstances, coming forth into various kinds of creation. And I would give all of that credit to God's soundtron, God's will, God's word, spoken into all existence. But it would not be the same, that creation would not be the same, if there were not special agents of God, like angels, like messengers, that were spiriting and overseeing the creations, so that they were able to be brought into the best choice possibilities at the soonest time possible in that evolving for reaching a point of having brains and, 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 and consciousness that could image that there is a God and that God is real. Abstract, abstract net lattice of resonance. I did a message here a while back from Matthew thirteen forty seven, the kingdom of heaven is likened to a net. That's like a lattice. Psalms nineteen one through six, the, the heavens declare the glory of God. The going forth from heaven to the end of the word, uh, to the end of the heavens, uh, are God's circuits. It says, that carry the line of God, the word of God, the soundtron. There is no place their resonant voice is not heard. They have the power to shift 
dimensions. They have the power to move in abstract frequency bands and by special acquisition of mind space to distribute frequencies of revelation with such resonance that it's beyond anything neuroscience could even possibly dream about as to the multi-dimensional possibilities that are provided by everything that the power of Latolution can imbue into those persons of God who are ready to open their minds for all that God has to give them. The universe itself is a growing, growing brain which consists of abstract frequencies and bands which the manifest calls a net lattice. And all of its circuits are all part of the 12, 12 coefficients. Wow. Everything is so absolutely interesting and so powerful. And I'm seeing that time is running out on me. And I really don't want that to happen because <laughs> I've really not even got into my teaching here today on Latolution yet. We've got to read just a few things. If we go to the Seven Thunders Speak Manifest Chronicles Before Genesis book, there's a lot we could teach out of this book. I used to sometimes have classes and I would take this book and then I would teach from it. And people would just say, oh, that's incredible. I read this, but I couldn't understand it. But now that you're teaching on it, I can totally understand what it is saying. And that was sort of my plan uh, that I had in mind to do here today uh, through quite a bit of, um, of the word that is uh, in this uh, book. But um, I can see that without really getting into it, um, we are running out of time because I have some very important gentile yet to do. But we can take just a little bit of time. Uh, on page 33 of the Seventh Thunder Speak book, down about the second paragraph, I came to know about the Soundtron wave and the energy dots, the manifester. There's a language of pure truth wherewith one may pierce fuzziness of uncertainty, and therefore, or thereby forecast the objectivity of insight. And that's this thing about the pure language that God promises is going to come forth. And you find that in Zephaniah chapter 3, verse 9. This is where one may discover the soundtron and its soundtron, the sound line waves, where one may discover the God I am who is the was and the is and the to be. The potentials of the Soundtron are not only the power to measure what is to be framed, but also the power of framing what is to be built. And this is the point that I was saying earlier. In the Soundtron and in the Latolution, 
there is the aspect of the power to measure what is to be framed. But also there is the power of framing what is to be built. And then the power to instill in what ha has been built things that will have to do with future experiences. There's so much on that page I'd like to read, but we can't do it without time. On down in the black print, in the sunrise of my mind, I heard the alibis drum of the song buds of the Soundtron singing creations, the manifester. So it is, song buds, song buds within the Soundtron yearn to be spoken. Yearn to be spoken to flourishings. Invisible stringlets, wound of song rhymes, hold the glory of glories. In every electron, in every positron, in every neutron, in every subatomic particle and wave, the tron of the soundtron lives. Ask with a deep heart, and God the I Am will show you how to use energies of the universe as your own mixing bowl of creation. Because remember, as I read here, it is so important to understand, God is yearning for you to come into this knowledge, yearning for you to have this knowledge. Wow. Down two verses on page 35, two um, paragraphs. And what is the sound tron? The sound is the voice, the tron, the measure. The sweet song, the thunderous power of the God, the I Am, what measure the metron, the line of traversal that goes forth throughout all the universe. This is so powerful. What I'm going to do is I'm going to continue this message next week, and then I'm going to re go back and all these things that I had wanted to get into here and read, even... Uh, into the Akka, Kindred of Yod, the Lost Language. Uh, touch on that some on page 36. Uh, I'll tell you a little of this ahead of time. Uh, I, I, I wanted to, uh, and well, Lord willing, next week, get into um, page 165 and uh, read a whole bunch of pages there. They're just absolutely outstanding uh, about revelation and about things that uh, God's people need to know uh, the Latistic revelations the Latolution revelations uh, but I, I, I want to take you from off the page understanding into the deep manifest understanding of these things that have been written here so that they will they will come alive to you that that will be so important for that to happen. Um, there is a, a, a scripture on page, um, or a word on page 333 of the Seven Thunders. And all the way down uh, past those uh, little in, uh, inset uh, sentences. Uh, and then it gets to, as we prayed and began to exercise our minds, 
our spirits were freed from latitation, from latitation of the consummate artistic genius within each of us to rise. Now this um, um, latitation involves the invoking, invoking of hidden knowledge and the abilities for that hidden knowledge to come forth. And uh, if we wouldn't have had time, but we don't. I was going to have a time for a latitation uh, prayer. And I was going to do that in the Gentile. But this particular Gentile night, I have it loaded with requests. And I have to put those first. But perhaps next week, in the Gentile, we will do this latitation in which we will be asking God to loosen the minds and the brains of the hearers so that there will be a an invoking and an opening of the knowledge and the abilities to understand God's word to come forth. It's going to be exciting. There is so much to cover. It is absolutely, it is absolutely going to be exciting. And I'm looking forward to uh, to having you here uh, with me on this uh, second event. We'll also be uh, doing a lot of teaching around page 338 and several pages following that. Uh, we will be going into the story on the breaths and, and all of those kind of interesting uh, subjects. Uh, explaining it to you in a way that uh, will just absolutely make you astounded. It's an exciting beautiful moment uh, in the history of this revelation. Okay, uh, we're going to, uh, I've got a, this is going to be a big, uh, a big time uh, for our uh, doing Gentile. I've had requests. Um, I want to work on a person tonight who uh, is on uh, dialysis. Uh, their kidneys are basically destroyed. I want to work on that person, for that person. Uh, I want to work on uh, any of the people out there that have uh, prostatitis. Uh, prostatitis is uh, an infection of the prostate gland. And uh, I want to work on those people. Uh, I want to work on some stroke uh, uh, situations, uh, at least um, two requests from two families on stroke and um, and I also uh, you know uh, want to work on uh, people that are having problems with the sciatic nerves uh, the the terrible pain that could come from from that um, problem in the sciatic uh, nerves uh, I want to work on that um, I'm going to describe uh, some of these things on these particular uh, diseases uh, and uh, just what exactly they mean um, let us um, let us start with this uh, thing with the sciatic uh, that is a very painful thing and there are a lot of people that get sciatic and of course the doctors recommend just to lay down on your back uh, for a couple of weeks and get off your your feet and just give you know that that uh, 
the body time to heal, the back time to uh, readjust. People might say, but I haven't done anything. What, what, you know, what's causing uh, this awful pain? I haven't done anything that, that should have caused this. Well, believe me, uh, it can have a lot to do even with posture. Posture of how you sleep sometimes, maybe one particular night or a couple particular nights, uh, or where, how you sit in a chair, maybe uh, watching TV or maybe uh, on the computer. Um, um, some certain particular kind of way uh, where you um, uh, you put pressure uh, on the um, on the spinal cord, uh, the, the the you know the lumbar spinal part of the cord, and uh, and you you put pressure uh, almost like that could uh, create a. Uh, herniation of uh, of one of your discs. That doesn't mean that that is what happened, but it is a possibility that that you have done something like that to one of your discs because of how you you sit or laid or something that you know just imposture. And eventually uh, that pressure builds up and the nerve is set off. And boy, I mean, you can have an awful lot of it. It can be so intense that you can hardly walk, uh, or it can just be so intense. That you can walk, but you're just miserable with the with the uh, the feelings in uh, in your your leg. Uh, it 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 goes up, uh, you know, if uh, you know um, up the back, and uh, it it uh, begins with the you know the lower back, uh, goes down the 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 buttocks, and down the lower uh, uh, you know uh, part of the leg. Uh, even if you go all the way down to the feet or to the foot, and uh, it's a miserable thing. So I want to, I want to, uh, I want to first pray for the people here today through Gentile that are having problems uh, with uh, the sciatica, uh, with the sciatic uh, nerves. Um, we want to deal with this nerve compression in the lower spine that most likely has caused it. Are we ready? Here we go. Hypothalamus to the pituitary, pituitary, hypothalamus to thyroid. Begin to send messages um, through the network, through the neural network, uh, to send uh, serotonin and um, a certain amount of dopamine, very small, along with endorphins, and especially dynorphine, into the lower back uh, from the lumbar area uh, down and begin to sedate uh, that nerve and uh, relax those nerves uh, that have uh, possibly been compressed. Hypothalamus to the pituitary, pituitary, hypothalamus to thyroid. Um, begin to send messages uh, through the... Uh, pituitary gland, the hypothalamus, to the sensory nerves uh, that have to do with the substance P in the spinal cord, the pathway that are connected to the parts of the brain associated with pain, and uh, exert on these uh, properties the release of substance P so that 
this pain will not be able to exhibit itself. And by that, begin to allow a relief to occur in these areas that the nerves of the spine uh, by the disc have been compressed. And begin to uh, uh, send um, uh, the healing substance uh, from the hormones into those areas to heal those uh, compressed uh, parts uh, and to uh, revitalize them. If there's any inhibitors or any blockers uh, that are saying different than this, they are canceled. Uh, begin to send um, uh, the messages to the factors of the regulating hormones uh, to be sure to oversee the regulation of these messages that have just been given. Now I want to move um, to this person with the, the kidney problems. Um, <clears throat> I want to um, I want to deal with the um, the nephron filters, which are involved in forming urine. Uh, urine. Uh, I want to deal with the the blood vessels and veins uh, on both the uh, right and left kidney. Um, I use the word uh, glomer. That's an abbreviation. But the glomer capsule, <coughs> we want to deal with uh, revitalization to everything within the glomer capsule and with a blood uh, to the renal vein. Uh, we want to um, we want to bring uh, a revitalization again to the menstrual uh period if that is totally lost uh, a total re uh, reve revealing uh, through the medulla and the cortex to the whole cortex of the kidney uh, we want to uh, via the liver we want to we want to um, reiterate to the body in a cellular kind of way especially those aspects of the cells that are receiving this, uh, uh, about to receive this message uh, for the kidney, uh, to to understand uh, by a a resonance imprint of the condition of the kidneys going back in time several years before the kidney had failure and promote that image and promote that message with such vitality that that imprint begins to transmit into the whole area of this uh, these any of the kidneys that are being spoken to here that have been in failure. Hypothalamus to the pituitary, pituitary, hypothalamus to thyroid begin to send messages into the body to the thalamus and the hypothalamus to the midbrain and the pons and the medulla begin to send uh, messages to 
to deal with all of the various functions that have to do with the vital reflex centers that regulate everything from the the heartbeat and the breathing and the blood vessels that coordinates the system of the body and deals with the cranial nerves and the whole uh, nuclear complex that helps maintain equilibrium hypothalamus pituitary pituitary hypothalamus thyroid to lymphatic gland begin to move down into the right and the left kidney and begin to to send these images and to cause through this gentile a revitalization of these kidneys to come back into life back into life back into life back into life begin to balance this whole system so that there is a total connectedness again to the whole body for functionality let this message overcome all toxins all medicines and produce the right blood pressure and the right regulation for this healing to be conducted if there's any inhibitors or blockers or messages anti to this they are canceled okay we have prayed for the um, the Gentile for the the kidney situation and the sciatic situation we have two left to do um, prostatitis of the prostate and a stroke so I'm going to go ahead and do the um, prostatitis the prostatitis which is basically an infection of the prostate now even though you may not think that that's exactly what you have if you have a swollen prostate and um, uh, there's many things that that can be from but one of the common things is that there's always the presence of this uh, prostatitis involved in the whole affair so right now hypothalamus to the pituitary pituitary hypothalamus the high to the to to um, uh, the highest point of uh, those aspects of the hemispheres begin to send messages uh, into the body uh, and begin to through the um, the hormones of the body begin to deal directly now uh, to uh, the system of the prostate gland uh, begin to um, engage upon the prostate gland the urethra in that area also begin to engage upon them and begin to make a connection with uh, the receptors to begin to loosen within uh, the prostate gland various kinds of of uh, releases of substance from the hormone gl uh, uh, glands uh, that will begin to um, cause the 
uh, reduction of size and uh, that will begin to operate uh, as an anti-agent um, uh, to the infection uh, to destroy it. Um, hypothalamus of the pituitary, pituitary hypothalamus of thyroid begin to increase in the area of the white blood cell count. There's any inhibitors or blockers or messages anti to that. They are canceled. Hypothalamus to pituitary, pituitary hypothalamus to thyroid to the the compost of, of organs that are involved in the making of chemical equivalent. Begin by chemical equivalent to disperse through elements the assimilation of this action into the body that will directly go to that area of the prostate to begin to give it relief and healing. There's any inhibitors or blockers or messages anti to this account. They are canceled. Okay. And then there are two people that request it for individuals who have had strokes. Now, what I want to deal with that by dealing with the the main thing that strokes come about from, and that is a, from blood clots. Hypothalamus to the pituitary, pituitary, hypothalamus to thyroid. Begin to send um, the hormone um, into the body to regulate uh, blood pressure in the brain. Begin to send messages into the body to inhibit any making of blood clots in the veins. Hypothalamus pituitary, pituitary, hypothalamus thyroid to the whole system of the lymphatic glands begin to deal swiftly upon the blood system to begin to deal by connecting to all of the, the blood flow and begin to remove toxins and any kind of problems that will lead to additional strokes begin to open up pathways in the brain area that may have been damaged and heal them hypothalamus to the pituitary pituitary hypothalamus to thyroid if there's any inhibitors to these suggested messages they are cancelled hypothalamus to the pituitary pituitary hypothalamus to thyroid send messages to clear all these channels the neck channels the channels up through the chest the channels in the brain areas to clear those veins begin to increase the deep breathing into these particular persons so that they will automatically respond to de breathing deeper and and there will be an increase of oxygen into their body if there's any inhibitors or blockers or messages anti to this they are now cancelled may the lord bless you and grant you the greatest future that could ever be possible 
to make you so happy and to fill you with the love of God. We love you. God bless you. If you haven't been to our blog, there is an incredible blog right now that's on there that needs to be read by you. God bless you. We love you. Jerry Lee signing off.